Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. say this and I, I love the, the larger body of Christ um, but there's a lot of churches that don't get as much heaven as we have right here and so I as a pastor I don't take it lightly and how many know what I'm talking about raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about like I'm talking about the experience of God's love and presence it's incredible so oh thank you Lord so I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 24 and I'm going to read a few verses I'm going to jump around so Um, If you're really prophetic, you'll be able to follow me. If you're not, then just follow me anyways, okay? Um, So let's start at verse 13. I'm going to be talking about the road to Emmaus. And uh, we're going to just jump through a few different verses here. You all ready? Verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. It was seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking together all the things that had happened. Now they're discussing the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 15, so it was while they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. If you uh, can just take note of verse 15, Jesus drew near and went with them. But they didn't realize it was him. He asked them about their conversation that they're having. And they proceed to tell him. Um, And let's jump down to verse 21. It says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They didn't realize that it was actually Jesus that was right there. And jump down to verse 25. Jesus rebukes them. Don't you love a a good solid rebuke from the Lord? It's always pleasant, right? I was uh, uh, hearing the, the scripture in Acts this is unrelated to the message, but where Paul is, he's hit by the high priest and, and the high priest struck him. He didn't know it was the high priest, but Paul responds with the Lord strike you. <laughs> I'm like, isn't that a good response? Have you ever felt like that when you're driving on the road and somebody cuts you off? The Lord strike you. Am I the only one? You want to say that, right? I, I forget where it is in Acts, but the Lord, man, it was hilarious. I was listening to this and, and, uh, uh, and that verse, man, is just, I don't know about you, but I've had some times that I, I wanted to really bless someone when I was driving on the road, you know, bless them with my horn or a hand signal, you know, some cr- holy Christian hand signal, the sign of the cross. Come on, somebody. All right. Um, all right. Unrelated to the message, 100% unrelated. Uh, Jesus rebukes them, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And then verse 27 is so powerful. Beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they got to their destination and they're like, will you please stay with us? Remember, they, they still didn't know it was Jesus. And It was when Jesus sat at the table, broke bread, and blessed them, their eyes were opened, and he knew him, and he vanished from their sight. I could say a lot about those two verses. Sometimes the transformation that takes place in us 
is not just on a Sunday morning at an altar where the Spirit of God is being poured out, but sometimes it takes place even greater at a table. The love of God and the, the substance of our Christian faith as we grow on this journey with following Jesus, we cannot underestimate the table. The experience that we have face-to-face and heart-to-heart. And so Jesus was revealed at a table. Verse 32, it says, I love this, man. This is what they said after this. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? I want to talk to you today about how we need the word, the presence of Jesus, and the voice of Jesus in our life. Father, thank you for the gospel reading this morning, and I just thank you for this wonderful community. I love your people. They are amazing, and they're full of destiny, and they're full of glory. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are your temple together. And I just pray for uh, just revelation and transformation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Uh, You know... um, I don't know if you can, you can imagine with me the, the trauma that they felt. They believed that Jesus was the guy. And uh, even though they didn't really know who he was, they just knew he, they thought he was a prophet that did a lot of miracles. And the disappointment. Can you imagine the disappointment in their hearts? And I want to talk about how that can affect um, the way that we see God, the way that we hear God. And even, you know, sometimes the the things that go on in our hearts can affect our appetite for the word and our ability to hear the voice of Jesus and and the perceptivity to experience the reality that God is with us. And as Christians, we're all on a journey. Can you say amen to that? And there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be things that happen. And it's interesting in this text, uh, one of the disciples is named and he's most likely Jesus' uncle, believe it or not. And the other disciples not named, and traditionally, historically, in the Orthodox Church, it's believed to actually be the author of the gospel, Luke. He doesn't write about himself, probably because we can put us on that road, prophetically speaking. But one of the things I recognized first is that we're not alone on the journey. And, and I want to encourage you, you might feel like you're alone on the journey, but you're not alone on the journey. And your heart might feel vexed because of things that you go through in your life, uh, but Jesus draws near to the brokenhearted. And this is the message that we uh, just read about. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I can think about that are traumatic. Uh, one of them, lightly, uh, I'll just be lighthearted about it. One of them, who has a love-hate relationship with Amazon? (laughs) Anyone else? There truly is a thin line between love and hate. I love the convenience of Amazon, but I hate what it does to my bank account. Can I get an amen? amen? The other day I looked and we have an Amazon account and sometimes I look in the cart and I know what the kids and mom are trying to get. Sometimes it's a blessing, you know, like, oh, I'll buy it for him, you know, praise God. 
I end up buying it for him anyways because it all comes out of my account, but that's another story. <laughs> but oh, the other day I looked, and you know how Amazon has the save for later button? There was over 100 things in the save for later button. <laughs> and I'm like, I almost had a breakdown right there. <laughs> God, I almost called the intercessors for prayer, man. I, I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. Uh, there are things in life, that, though, that, that pull on our hearts. Um, and there's times that we go through life, and we might not experience the nearness and the reality of Jesus. And I want to even talk to you about how, as the church, uh, being like the disciples on this road, not, not understanding really what, what was going on. I mean, if you think about it, they didn't really know who God was, who Jesus was, nor knew the circumstances in which he was and what he was doing. They thought that Jesus was a prophet and he was crucified and it was over. They were hoping it was him. And then Jesus expounded the scriptures to them. I love the verse 15 though. He says, they conversed and they reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. There's something about being aware of the presence. You know, the word Emmaus uh, means warm bath. How many of you have ever been to like a spa and you just, who has a jacuzzi at home? Come on, somebody. Who doesn't have a jacuzzi at home? Raise your hand. Okay, we're going to take up an offering. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> there is something, though, about just going to a place of healing and warmth. And they're headed, this is a prophetic picture of they're trying to get to a place where they're not going to have to carry the trauma of what had just happened in Jerusalem. Amen. And isn't it just like our journey sometimes we're like, God, I don't know how much more my heart can handle. Have you ever been there? Now, one of the lessons I would like to expound on just a little bit briefly is that sometimes when we see where Jesus it says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. How many know that when we talk about church culture and being Christians, following Jesus, walking on the road, we have different ways to express this. You know, we have the gifts of the Spirit, which John so eloquently expounded and taught in such a simplistic, beautiful way where we can all walk in the gifts of the Spirit and should desire them and live in them and work them in our lives. And then you have the gifts of the Father in Romans 12. You have practical gifts, leadership gifts, generosity gifts, hospitality gifts. How many know it's a gift from God to make really good cookies? Come on, somebody. It's a gift from God. I'm telling you right now, some things you can pray over me a million times, but the only thing I need, my soul needs, is a chocolate chip cookie from heaven. Come on, somebody. You can tell when pastor don't eat in the morning because he gets distracted and talking about food. But there are so many different gifts that we receive from heaven. There are all these gifts, but we get caught up sometimes and we, and we create false dichotomies like, well, I don't want to be a church that just focuses on the spiritual gifts, the spirit, the presence of God, the voice of God, because we need the word, because we need the scripture and we need proper teaching and we need good sound doctrine. Can you say amen? 
But we've painted a picture that they're pitted against each other or that they're almost like, well, we need a balance between the two. Can I just encourage you this morning? There, you don't need a balance. You don't want half and half. You want all of it. And the Word and the Spirit agree. The Word and the Spirit are two beautiful colored threads in the same tapestry of God's divine love and gift to us as community. And we have missed it. Like, gee, they're on the road. They know the Bible, but they don't see the eternal word standing right in front of them. I'm telling you, we could preach the whole thing on this. And we need a good, healthy value, a hunger of the word. But I just want to encourage you that if you go after the spirit, you're not going to get away from the word. And if you go after the word, you're not going to get away from the spirit. The spirit reveals the word and and the word reveals the spirit. They are one. Jesus and the spirit are one. And don't get so caught up in the text that you're replacing your intimate relationship with Jesus for knowledge. Well, I know the Lord. No, you just memorize Scripture. And there's a big difference. When the church realizes that we're on this journey, that He's with us, and Jesus is the one who teaches us the Word. we got to read our Bibles with the light on, man, with the light. Jesus is with us on the road. Let Him expound about Himself. In John chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, the Scripture says this, that Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. He says, you are looking through diligently the Scriptures, thinking that's what's going to give you life, but you don't realize they point to me. They testify of me. They bear witness of me. If your scripture study doesn't reveal you to an encounter with Jesus, you're just going to get more religious. You're going to get stuck in a form of Christianity without the power. And I don't know about you. I don't want a form of godliness. I want the real deal. Come on. I want his presence, man. I want his word. The word and the spirit agree. I want, the, I want such an appetite. When's the last time you cracked open the book, man? Come on. Some of y'all got that dusty Bible on the back of the throne, on the back of the toilet. You got to get that thing out. Crack it open and say, Lord, speak to me. I'm walking with you on this journey. I don't know how much more my heart can handle, but I know that when you're with me, that you breathe upon the word and I hear your voice and I know that you're there with me and I know I can make it and I know that I might feel like I'm in a storm, but this storm, this wind will be like sails in my heart and it'll thrust me forward in the destiny that you've called me to be in. Man, Jesus is with us on the road. One of the things that I find so beautiful about this is that there was an older man. If you look at some of the old paintings of this story, one is older and one is younger. Oh, how we need fathers and mothers. Sometimes we think we don't understand what we're missing in life, and it's because we haven't received the gift of fathers and mothers, the Father's blessing. Fulfilled in Christ is the profound text in the very end of the Old Testament in Malachi that God will take and the Spirit of Elijah will come and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and children's hearts to the fathers. There's something about generational alignment and blessing. And we don't realize when we're on the journey, not only we're not alone, but we have fathers and mothers that will love us and we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. We realize we don't have it all together. And we're blessed when we realize that we have each other. And in Christ, in our relationship with Him, there is a profound gift 
of community and family. And sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't realize it. There was a point in my life where I have a loving father, mother. But as a young man growing up in the Lord and ministering, I didn't have a, a spiritual father, a mentor. My leaders were uh, surrogate parents. They were absentee parents, if you will. They, they, they didn't, there was no relational investment. And, and it doesn't come from just one senior pastor. Like, we should have a pastor for every row in the church. You know, there are people with that type of anointing. I want to see released in that anointing. Small group leaders. And, but I didn't have anyone in that sense. I had some mentorship and to a degree. But, man, how it's missing in the body of Christ, how we need true discipleship and what that looks like, where follow me as I follow Christ. Like a flesh and blood example. Sometimes we're so overly spiritual. Like, well, just read the Bible. You're following Jesus. Well, you are, but you're also following other people that follow Jesus. Life on life. That's Jesus' design. Actually, people discipling people. There's a stupid meme that I've seen on Facebook. that says, I don't follow Christians. I follow Jesus. Well, I get it. Yes, we all follow Jesus. But some of y'all think you're following Jesus and you're all by yourself, and you don't understand your Bible, just like these two disciples, and you don't understand God nor his involvement in circumstance, and no wonder you find yourself alone because there's people that God has put in your life to grow and learn from. And there's a man that uh, I heard my wife giggle in the front row just now, and it, it, I know what her giggle meant. It's like, dang, he's getting it now. He's being mean now. I had somebody come into my life that was a father to me. And his impact on my life transformed my destiny. I knew that I was called to be a pastor or an evangelist, preach in stadiums and see miracles. Like I knew God had destined me for greatness. And he was cultivating my life for that. But I needed a papa in the spirit to help me on the journey, to help me understand the word, to help me to walk with me as we walk with Jesus. And for some time in my life as a believer, I felt invisible. Maybe you've been there, maybe you feel like that way now, but you're not. God sees you. And there's people around you. There's people. I, I, I remember, like, God, I, I just wish I had somebody to walk with me and show me. Like, show me. Or at least somebody to actually believe that God's call was on my life. And a man named Larry Titus came into my life. I remember uh, he was a guest speaker at this church that I was leading worship for. And, and I, was the, I was the David of the house, you know, the, like, hey, bring the presence of God. Do your thing. You know, I'm the David. And, and nobody was available to, to, to pick him up from the airport. And I'm thinking, the church culture I came from, I'm thinking, there's a blessing when you pick the man of God up from the airport, you know. I'll carry his Bible. I don't care, man. Like, I just, I'll go. And so I went, picked him up. And as he spoke, my heart burned within me. And I'm like, who is this guy? He's big time. He's an international ministry. And he's acting like he cares about me. He probably wants me to be a 
partner, a $1,000 a month partner's ministry. There has to be an ulterior motive here. This can't be right. And he just poured love into me. There was no motive except to love and see me released in my destiny. I'm so thankful for fathers. I remember him prophesying over me. I remember him going up to preach. He says, oh, I didn't come here to preach you. I came here to adopt Zach. I'm sitting there like, don't say that. These people are here. I already get in the nerves, man. My Davidic worship, I'm like fiery, prophetic, ah, you know. I want to have an altar call and lay hands on everybody. And this church is a little more conservative than we are at the time. And uh, that changed quickly, uh, by the way. But years later, we plant a church. And I remember uh, Larry Titus was preaching at this convention. And he is preaching to thousands of pastors. And, and I know him. I have his phone number. He gave me his phone number. The man of God gave me, I have a cell phone number. And he actually answers it. Come on, somebody. And we go to this convention and we're like, oh, man, this is amazing. So Larry Titus is preaching. He has an altar call. And he's doing an altar call for pastors to repent. I, I still remember the message. It was about the circumcision of the heart and how God's cutting away the flesh. And he's like, some of you pastors, you have sin in your life, and God's cutting away the flesh. And like two, three hundred pastors are up at the altar weeping. <laughs> I didn't go up. I probably should have, but <laughs> I was watching it. Maybe we did go up. I don't remember. It was all a blur. The Lord was all over it. So after I go up, and I, I'm like, I just want to say hi to the man of God. You remember this, Rochelle? We walk up to him. I'm like, Larry, we, I know you're busy. Just want to say hello. He's like, oh. Man, it's so good to see you. I'm so proud of you. And he just starts pouring. And as he talks, my heart burns again. I feel like I want to cry. I'm like, why do I always want to cry when I'm around this guy? He just, why does he love me so much? Why do you love me so much? And he says, I want to take you to lunch. Let's go to lunch while you're here. So he texts me. and Like, why does he want to hang out with me? What's going on? We go to lunch. And some of the people that were there later are like, how did you get to have lunch with Larry Titus? Like, well, I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand it, but I'm so thankful for fathers. And this man has poured in and loved and affirmed the call of God, not just my life, but also my wife's. And he's a father to us. Don't underestimate the fathers, the people that, that God brings in your life, especially when your heart feels like it can't, I can't take any more of this storm. But if you allow God to do it, his word and his spirit and his voice will cause the pressure that's going on in your heart to become like your heart will become like the sail of a ship. And even in a great wind, some sails will just break. But God has fashioned your heart as a believer to withstand any wind. And that the storms of life thrust us in to the future and our destiny. In closing, Jesus expounded on the scriptures. Their eyes were open sitting at a table. Verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Did our hearts not burn within us? We should have a burning hunger passion for the presence of God and for the word of God to hear his voice. 
I remember years ago, I was at a, a meeting, and uh, Kim Clement was preaching. He was prophesying over people. I miss Kim Clement. Brother Kim Clement graduated to glory. He's a powerful prophetic voice in the earth. I wonder where the Kim Clements are today. I wonder what his angels are doing, the ones that were assigned to him. Are they bored or is there ministries that carry that powerful prophetic mandate for the nations? He's prophesying over people. It was an incredible meeting. And uh, I, I had the honor of meeting him a couple times. But I remember he prophesies over people, powerful presence of God. It's just so tangible. He is an, he's a psalmist too, so he jumps on the piano. He was classically trained. His testimony is incredible. There's a, a book, if you've never read it, uh, you should read it. It's called The Sound of His Voice. And some of the testimonies in there are just incredible how he started hearing the voice of God. But I remember after this one particular meeting, Kim Clement jumps on the piano, starts playing. Hint, hint, start playing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he's classically trained, like, like Lenny. And he's, he's a boss, man. He's just, he's, some of these notes that he's hitting are just, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. But it wasn't just beautiful music. It, there was a wind of the spirit. And he starts singing, and I can't find the audio to this spontaneous song, but he often would sing it. And it was simply, I love your word. I love your spirit and your voice calling my name out loud. And as he began to play, tears and sobbing, people face down on the ground. The manifest presence of God was so profound. Jesus drew near in that moment. Of course, he's everywhere. But it, metaphorically, it was like we experienced the nearness of Jesus. And that's my prayer for you. I want you to know you don't walk alone. I want you to know that it's okay to say, I don't have it all figured out. Maybe you're like me sometimes where I, I, like I read the Bible. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't I'm, it's not hitting me like it used to. This morning I was preparing and the Bible app online was messed up. And I, every time I tried to log in, it pop up in another language. At first it was Chinese. I'm like, great, Chinese communists are taking over. They have my Facebook now, like it's over, forget it. And then it pops up in like, you know, some sort of Middle Eastern language and then Spanish. And they're like, well, I know a little Spanish. Let me see. Adios, you know. But sometimes we go to the scripture and when we try to read the Bible without Jesus, it's gibberish. We don't understand it. And the reason was there was an issue. I wasn't logged in. See, some of you have got to connect your heart again with the master. And as soon as you do, there's life Every. Jot and tittle. Come on, somebody. Every word points to him. And sometimes it's because, like the disciples in Luke 24, we've been lied to. Our image of God is distorted. They didn't know who Jesus was, nor his involvement in everything. Therefore, they didn't understand the scripture. 
it's okay to admit sometimes our view of God is messed up. And there was a time in my life where, I don't know if I have time to tell the story, just real quick, 2018, years of ministering, church planning, we took a sabbatical. On the sabbatical, I was planning on writing some of the blood, sweat, and tears we're going to talk about next week, you know, the, the book that we release, which is going to bless you. It's going to bless your atheist, agnostic friends. It's going to bless pastors in your life and leaders, Christians, people that have a distorted view of God. And I, we went on a sabbatical. We're so thankful. Our board said, hey, let's just bless them. And we're going to, you know, take, I forget how many weeks. We took weeks off. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to write. And then all hell broke loose. It was like, I couldn't, there was every distraction, all the pressure it was like, what I, I couldn't get anything done. And we come out of this, the end of 2018, the, the ministry is fruitful. Our church is exploding. At one point, we're running three services. Two of them are packed wall to wall. And, and we're just like, we're, we're going for it. The church is healthy. We've got a full bench of leaders. But inside me, the senior pastor, I am distraught. I allowed things to cling to my heart on the journey. I allowed distorted images of God to brand my heart with a lie. And I start, and I'm, I'm just dealing with, stuff, with things internally. And I could not get out of it. I'd read my Bible. I would pray. I would rebuke the devil. I would be like, I don't know what is going on, but I, I can't get out of it. It was almost like, it felt like to me, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like in life, you ever feel like God plays this game with your life, this spiritual game of Jenga? How many know what Jenga is? Or is it Jenga? I don't know how to say it. Jenga. And he pulls out all the bottom ones. Like, God, what are you doing? He's really good at it. Because it might not look like something's there. But maybe he's removing things because he's going to lay a new foundation. And that's what was happening in my life. And one day... I walk out, we're in our home, beautiful home. We live in Lake Las Vegas, man. It's a beautiful home, overlooks the strip and a golf course and has a pool with the vanishing infinity edge. Can't get any better than that, right? We're just blessed. Everything was great on the outside, but the inside, I was jacked up. I walk out of my bedroom, which is upstairs to this grand, you know, uh, banister. And I look down and Hannah and Layla are dancing and they have music on. And it was just cute. They're just having fun. I said, Hannah, the older shall teach the younger. There's two of them, just the two daughters. I said, Hannah, teach Layla how to dance to worship. So she puts worship on, and Hannah finds the song. And Hannah has no idea that this song was going to absolutely light up that place. So Hannah puts the song on, and all of a sudden, presence of Jesus manifested in our living room. It was just my wife and I and our five kids. Soon enough, Rochelle's down there on the couch. They're weeping in her arms. My sons, instead of running to play Xbox, of course, nothing can stop them from playing Xbox except this. They're stuck at the banister looking down, watching. Sooner or later, we all end up down there in awe of the love of God. And then there was a moment that I, I had a choice and I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm going through it. I'm having a hard time. This is my family. I'm supposed to be the strong leader. I'm supposed to be the provider, the perfecter, right? The protector, perfecter. He's the author and perfecter. I'm supposed to have it all together. 
My kids, my, my daughter used to think, Daddy can fix anything. There's so many things I can't fix. When I can't fix something, I call Howard. Come on, somebody. And in this moment, I couldn't fix anything. So I had to be vulnerable. And I thought to myself, if I don't ask my family that's dear and close to me for prayer in this moment, then I'm a major hypocrite. So I look at my family. I said, hey, dad's going through it. Will you pray for me? And I laid flat on my face. We were seized with the fear of the Lord and the presence of God in the moment. The song that was playing is sales. I remember the the course hit me so hard. I let out the sails of my heart. Here I am. Here you are. Because I needed wind in my sails. I didn't realize the storm was actually going to be the thing that would push me forward into greater destiny. So one by one, my family begins to pray over me. And my kids were prophesying, man. Had the Red Sea been right there, they could have parted it with one word. Sarah, you remember when David, he's like, David, I feel like I kind of have a word, but and then he's like, thus says the Lord. Uh, like, my goodness. And then we all end up praying over one another and it becomes this beautiful thing where God just brought healing, his healing presence to us. And he gave us like a fresh start. And I allowed my heart to cling to disappointment and the lie of not succeeding and, the, and, and envy and, and bitterness and And I didn't allow the Lord's love to pour on wounds of my heart from betrayal. And all of a sudden, it was like I was reacquainted with his love. But he was pouring it out the whole time. I just didn't allow it because I allowed those things to numb my understanding of his presence. But I want to tell you this morning, he's near. He's closer than the air that you breathe. And he wants to unveil his word to you and he wants you to have a burning desire for his word and his presence because I love his word I love his spirit and his voice and he's calling us by name out loud can you say amen I want you to lift your hands with me would you stand up in attitude of worship just lift your hands I know that we went on a little bit longer than usual but I just want to I just want to pray and just seal this time because I feel like that there are people in this room that are on that road and feel alone and feel like, where is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I don't understand. I don't know how much more I can take it, but I need God to intervene. I need an encounter with God. And maybe you're like I was in 2018, where I just needed God to show up in my living room or show off in my living room to where we experienced him as a family where we experience, this is how we experience God sitting at a table. It's like, God, no, we want, you're, you're doing something with the foundation of my life. And you're, you might be here in this place, and you're like, God, I, I want you to, to prioritize things in my heart as I yield to you. If that's you, would you just raise up one hand in the air right now? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not asking you to receive Jesus. I'm asking you to just be honest with God. Maybe there's some people in here you just need. Just lift up a hand in the air. Raise it high and say, God's doing something in me. And you want to remove, you want to get rid of the distorted image you ha- you've had of God and the way you've seen his involvement in circumstance. He's not the author of that trauma, but he'll take what the enemy meant for a curse and he'll turn it into a blessing. Now raise up both hands with me and would you just pray right now and just say, Jesus, I yield my life to you. Jesus, 
I want to follow you. Reveal your word to me. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for calling my name out loud. Brand my heart with a fire. Come on, I want you to pray it strong with me and passionate. Brand my heart with a fire, with a passion for you. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you seal it with praise? Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.